0: What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Beam
1: Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Justice, not Eric, because he's not here, and Sunday, We've got A-Dog, Alex Housen. What's up, Alex? What's up, y'all? The Elixir Wizards crew dropping in to let you know about an upcoming event that we're very excited about, the first ever Elixir Wizards conference. We'll be gathering online for two afternoons, June 16th and 17th, for a mix of great, like Frosted Flakes talks panels and social time that we have been deprived of
2: our keynote
0: speakers are randall thomas who will be talking about the next digital divide and the origins of the object-oriented versus functional programming debate and our own elixir wizard eric ostrich who will be talking about how less is more and why sometimes a simple static page is the best choice hey it's sunday We've got two panel conversations planned, one with tech leaders talking about building companies with Elixir, and another that I'll be moderating on
2: Women Leading in Elixir, plus a whole host of short and medium format talks spread across the two days and my favorite, Social Time with Toucan.
1: I will be our master of ceremonies and host for the full schedule. And to get your ticket, head on over to smr.tl conf hyphen podcast. That's a special discount link for podcast listeners. We can't wait to see everyone again soon in person, but in the meantime, we hope to see you online in June at the Elixir Wizards Conference. And
2: now, back to Beam Radio.
1: Yeah, I would say that's probably the worst part about the
2: Beam is that once you're programming on it, it ruins everything else for you. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs)
0: All right, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Beam Radio. Today I am joined by a slightly smaller uh, panel of hosts, but we'll make up for that and I'll tell you why in just a moment. We have with us today Alex Kutmos. Hey Alex.
2: Howdy,
3: howdy.
0: We have Lars Vickman. Hello. Welcome Lars and uh, as always I'm Sophie De Benedetto. and today we are joined by a very special guest talking about a topic that I've been really excited to dig into for a while, but I'm gonna have you guys wait a little bit longer. We are going to actually first kick it off as usual with a word from our sponsor, who as you guys know is Graxio, career fuel for programmers. So Graxio is up to some fun and exciting stuff. They've wrapped up their flux unit. So once again, if you're interested in machine learning, check it out. And I think any of our elixirists that are starting to get a little intrigued by NX, might uh, really be well served by going and checking out some of this Flux content on Graxio. And uh, the Graxio community is still working through ECTO. That's gonna be going down through August 31st. All right, so moving right along. We are joined today by Mahala Saraiva who is the creator of Surface, the new Live View component library. I've been digging into Surface a little bit. Uh, You guys will see some Surface content towards the tail end of the programming Live View book that Bruce and I have got out. So really excited to get into the topic of Surface, of Live View. But before we do that, uh, Marlis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let our listeners know, who are you? What are you up to? Where are you working these days? Any hobbies you wanna share?
4: Hi, Sophie and Alex and Lars, I'm really glad to be here. I work at Dashbit currently, and I've been working with software development for the la- more than 20 years now. I've been working on this, this 20 years, basically with uh, so-called enterprise software. I'm really glad now that I have the chance to to do some open source work uh, at Dashbit. It, this was a great change, a great shift in my, my career. And I'm really enjoying to to bring most of my experience in on those enterprise projects to to the open source community. Uh, about hobbies, uh, music, basically, it's <laughs> especially in these moments when you can you need to stay at home <laughs> for longer periods. Music is has been my my great uh, escape.
2: <laughs> so now you say music? Do you mean like uh, like listening to music or making music?
4: Oh, I wish I could make music, right? <laughs> so mostly hearing and playing the guitar just for okay. me and, and and family. That's all.
2: <laughs> yeah, guitar has been on my list for a while, but uh, it's one of those to-do list items that just keeps getting pushed down and down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to. That's sort of like on the list of talents that I wish I had. I always wish I had any amount of musical skill. That's like I could see that being something I would really love, but uh, that's so cool that you've been spending your time relaxing, playing music. So important, especially these days, like you said, to try to take some time out and kind of take care of ourselves. So, Marla, you mentioned that you've been uh, you've been doing what you do for a while now. I think you said something like twenty years. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what brought you into the Elixir community?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, I think in these almost two decades, I was working with uh, software development, I had many moments of excitement and frustration, you know, like new technology, oh, this is so exciting. And then after a couple of months, maybe a year, I was back where I was before because it took me quite a while to realize almost like at least 15 years that although I was from C++ going through uh, Java, PHP and Ruby, whatever. I, I was always a C developer. And I think that's that clicked a little bit about 15 years later. It was like, look, I'm changing technologies, but I'm not changing the way I, I design softwares. So I started to look into something different. And that was functional programming. I just started to take a look at uh Closury and Haskell. Bunch of other stuff, trying to 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 have a shift in in that uh, in that area because as I told you, I, I was always uh, chasing for to solve my problems, changing the language, changing the technology. But that was not the right way. I mean, it doesn't matter if you if you're programming in Java or Ruby. It's just the the old C plus plus model, you know, shared memory model. I was really frustrated to to be working with that on those late years. So. Uh, I watched a, a talk from José, he was introducing Elixir, it was a very early uh, version of Elixir about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I decided to give it a try. The big thing that brought me to Elixir was not even the language, but the it was Erlang, you know, the, the virtual machine and all the capabilities of it was actually what told me, okay, this is actually different. The model is different not only because it's functional, but because we have OTP, have a lot of different, completely different abstractions that that, that I was used to work with. So this was, that was actually the first uh, time, I think my career that I said, oh, I'm finally gonna be able to do something differently. So let's see how it goes. And it it turned out to be uh, awesome because uh, I, 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 I couldn't come back uh, to design softwares the way I, uh, I was doing before, really. I mean, I, I cannot work with object-oriented programming anymore, at least not the way I was doing with shared memory everywhere and shared state objects, all that stuff. So it's functional programming is a much more simple model. Much, It's much easier to do stuff. So it would be really hard for me to to get back to that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think this topic has come up. Uh, not infrequently on the podcast before. A lot of us, yeah, Lars is counting on his fingers. You don't have many times. But I feel like so many of us really relate to the story of coming into you know, programming on the beam for the first time from maybe OO backgrounds or backgrounds with other languages and sort of happening upon, a particular, the actor model, and then starting to feel like, aha, I've actually finally found something that I feel like really does model the world around me and really feels like the right fit for designing software. Um, I think I've said in the past that when I first was learning how to program, I learned OO languages, and I felt like yeah, sure, object orientation that sort of seems to map to the world around me. And then I came to the actor model and I was like, just kidding, throwing away, oh oh, this really feels like, you know, message passing is more akin to how I think of how the world actually works and it makes it really changes your whole relationship to designing software.
4: Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's a much simpler model. Actually, uh, message passing in OTP in, in Erlang in Elixir it's actually what it's supposed to be. Like it's it's the one that you actually understand. If you if you if you have seen that before uh, object oriented programming, it would be would have been much easier, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're with a group of people who definitely agree. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, I would say that's probably the worst part about the beam is that once you're programming on it, it ruins everything else for you.
4: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, even, it's tough yeah. to go back. It's really tough. I, I actually, I, I, don't, I don't understand why I make that move to surface because sometimes I have to touch JavaScript and and then I keep, oh man, I'm doing this like for a couple of days. <laughs> I wanted to get back to the beam.
0: Actually, yeah. Marlos, I think you've just given us like the perfect segue into our topic for today. So I'm gonna go ahead and introduce it now. So today, what we really want to talk about, uh, just a, a little topic on the future of web applications. What are they going to look like? And so let me clarify what I mean by that. We're really starting to see so many new ways of building apps that completely outright reject or at the very least delay writing JavaScript. Uh, we kind of want to explore like, what is this a symptom of? You know, For example, we now have Live View. With Live View, we have Surface, Rails has Turbo. Are we totally done with JavaScript? Uh, or is there still a home for it? What are, where is like the need for these technologies coming from? And then in particular, we really are so excited to dig into Surface. What's it designed to address? Are there gaps in live view that Surface is really trying to fit into? Uh, Really what was the impetus for that technology? But first, of course, future of web applications. I'm sure we'll be able
4: to dig into this with just a couple of minutes and then move on. Sure. Uh, Uh,
0: No more JavaScript. We don't like JavaScript (laughs) anymore. What's the deal?
4: No, no, it's not about that. I mean, uh, JavaScript is going to be there as long as we have browsers. So I I don't think it's, I think it's silly to try to avoid JavaScript at all costs. That's not actually the point. The point is just to bring back JavaScript where it belongs. It used to be like this. I mean, you used to have all kinds of, codes mostly on the back end to do business stuff right so business logic also goes to the to the back end and then i mean not always right but i mean it does this pendulum, it goes to the front end and back again to the back end uh, when javascript was created it was just supposed to be this really simple language to do to interact with the browser right i mean maybe a, a alert message dialog and really uh, simple stuff that that, that wasn't able to do right in the back end we, we need this kind of interface the problem is that the whole thing evolved to to get more stuff so we're starting to 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 talk to the server in a in a better way with ajax and then we start to exchange data more easily with the server and then at some point we just got to carry away. Uh, I, I think we just we just we should have stopped doing what we were supposed to do, like uh, bringing, uh, bringing stuff from the server and process on the client. And it just got too bloated, I think. Uh, I mean, we are bringing too much stuff to the, to, to the front end to do things that could be done in the back end, right? I mean, back end is close to your data. You have all the, your business logic there. It's easy to query stuff, calculate stuff, and then bring results. So we just at some point, JavaScript got so powerful that we just stopped doing that thing that those kind of things on the server, and we just start uh, uh, sending data to the the front end and doing all kinds of third stuff in, in in the front end. so to make the the user happier, but I, I think now it's 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 it, there's we we now have um. Tools to get at least close to the same satisfaction from the user point of view, without uh, making the life of the developers miserable. You know, because that's I think it's exactly the point we are working with all that complexity in the front end. It's just it, it's insane. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that's absolutely what really got me excited about Live View initially. It's not like an inherent hate for JavaScript by any means. Like JavaScript is great. And I, I loved what you said, which is that a lot of these technologies are about putting JavaScript back where it belongs. But I had, and I'm sure other people will relate to this one experience where I think I spent something like, I don't know, four months or six months or something really buried in a, a React app that we were building uh you know in a job that I had at the time for like a multi-stage form but the form was like very very complicated and i just felt like each day we were walking like deeper and deeper into this swamp <laughs> and each day we added like just a little bit more logic for just another you know form scenario and by the end of it we were just we had totally trapped ourselves in an extremely complicated ui and what was complicated about it was not the interactivity, which is what JavaScript is great at. It was the state management and the logic, and it was just too complicated to try to handle all of that uh, in this front-end framework. And you know, working with LiveView today, it just feels like a breath of fresh air, like being able to manage state on the server side and keep your brain in one place. I just think unlocks so many doors in terms of what you can build.
4: It gives you time to actually work much better on the front-end because then you just have to focus on the features that the, the the user actually needs to interact, right? I mean, if you want to implement drag and drop and a bunch of other stuff that actually, that's the place where, where we should be using JavaScript. And it's not a bad place. It's a perfect place. It was actually made for it. So that that's actually the point. At some point we, we, we just stopped asking questions. Should we actually move this to the front end? Because it was not supposed to, to the, the technology was not uh, conceived to to solve these problems. I mean, just like I love the beam because the beam was conceived to to, to address uh, a bunch of problems that telecoms had in the past. We got lucky because those problems are basically the same that we're having now for concurrency in, on the server, right? To 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 write uh, highly concurrent uh, systems. So that's perfect. But it was conceived this way because they want to be Uh, they want to get the best of the the virtual machine to do that. JavaScript was conceived to interact with the the browser to do a set of functionality that we're not supposed to bring more stuff and just trying to do it, everything with JavaScript. Even JavaScript went to the server, right? With Node. And I think it's, uh, I don't like it. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can do a bunch of stuff using that kind of technology. But I think it's it was not made for that purpose. And I think if we if we can use JavaScript for what it was supposed to be, we're gonna get really great results. Not only, I mean, not only we're gonna create better uh, uh, software, but we're gonna be much happier and much more productive.
3: I've definitely found that the happiest I am writing JavaScript is when I'm writing small amounts of JavaScript to glue things together uh, and provide that small interactivity there's this monopoly where the web stack the web browser the web platform can't change too much in the sense that we can run javascript we can't run all other languages uh, at the same level in the browser because we don't want to have php python elixir and everything else natively in the browser. Like, yeah, ship all the runtimes with Chrome. That'll be great. Uh, No one wants that. So we have JavaScript. And because every web developer has to learn JavaScript, essentially, there was an inversion there where I think it felt like it made sense to just go, oh, V8 is fast, Let's, let's ship that to the server and we only need to deal with one language. But I don't find node that compelling i don't find the execution model for building as you said highly concurrent distributed systems long-running services uh, that compelling in in node i can see why people find a benefit in just needing to pick up one language when you're getting started it does not matter which language you pick because you're going to be making terrible applications regardless or i was i was definitely making terrible applications when i started so beam or not i would have shot myself in so many feet Uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter where you start you just have to learn programming essentially and then you can get better at it when you're teaching people there's an advantage to being able to slim it down to just one language but i don't think it's ideal i don't think it's a an optimal solution. I don't think it's anywhere near it. So I think the beam is very good for running servers. And I think dealing with and sort of protecting data, a cool thing about live view, it won't print data that you're not using. So if you accidentally expose a little bit more than you intended to and the live view, to the best of my knowledge, there's no way that you can tease the live view to tell you about it without it actually being used somewhere in a template.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and especially because, uh, the thing about learning one language and use it everywhere, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's nonsense, right? Because I mean, each language you learn, there's something different that will help you to, to think differently about the way you program, right? I mean, every single language I, I, I work with uh, it was, was a really valuable all that knowledge, even if it was the same model, the same shared state model, they had different uh, features. I mean, it was great for, uh, I spent a lot of time with Java. It was and There was a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ceremony to do stuff on Java. And then I, I spent a couple of years working with Perl and it was great. I mean, everybody uh, uh, makes fun of Perl, right? But it was really important for me because it showed me that you could do d- things differently in a much productive ways. For instance, when handling files and arrays and and uh, hash maps and all that stuff. So I brought a lot of this knowledge uh, and I couldn't do things like I was doing Java anymore. So it's it's important. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think, I, I don't know understand when people are just gonna have one language and use it for everything. It's, you're wasting a lot of, Good opportunities to expand uh, your programming skills.
3: So, what purpose is Surface ideal for?
4: Uh, I think Surface actually is uh, it's an attempt to to bring a component model to to Live View itself. I mean, Live View introduced Live Components a couple years years ago, and it was a, a great foundation. So we can uh, start. Going in this direction, right, in, in, in having uh, server-side components. Uh, however, the, the the model it's 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 unfinished, right? I mean, it, it's just a foundation. So when I was preparing a talk for Alexeykov uh, so a couple of years ago, I wanted to to present a dashboard. The, the presentation was about uh, effect, uh, efficient pipelines, data pipelines with Broadway. And I wanted to have some kind of dashboard to present the the workload of each process, each uh, stage in the the pipeline. So uh, I thought LiveView would be like the perfect match for that. And I started working with LiveView for the first time. And the the conclusion was like, okay, I, I really love this. I mean, this might be what I was looking for to avoid all that JavaScript stuff, working with templates, uh, with with uh, Ex templates, it's kind of hard. I mean, they're 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 not the right tool to work with components, uh, especially because they 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 don't un- Ex doesn't understand the structure of the template, right? So I mean, it's 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 all text. So it's 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 a shame that I mean I have an, a component model, and this component model uh, it's a tree, and then I'm working with HTML, which is also a tree but then EX doesn't know anything about it. So EX doesn't know what is actually a tree or not, it's a structure, what is a tag, which is a component, what are the attributes of, uh, so I thought if we, if we could bring like the React model, like, I mean, like have this, this uh, template, uh, which is not just text, but it, it has a, a structure and that structure can match the HTML and you can inject components just as you inject html uh, markup it it, it might work better for this model so i just start working with surface and that dashboard that i presented at elixir what was like the the draft the the first version of surface and from that point uh, until now, we have been uh, getting a lot of feedback and improving the, the, the tools that we use, uh, adding features. Uh, and I'm really glad that, that I, I, I got involved with in this project. I mean, I, I there wasn't, I, I was actually looking for something like that. I couldn't find it. And then I remember I talked to Jose and Chris at the same ElixirConf. I showed the, the, the prototype. And they say, oh, this is great, but there's no way we can bring this to, to Phoenix itself, right? Because it's, it's, uh, it was the early days of, of Live View. There was still a lot of features to add to it. And they just say, if you want to try it out, uh, go ahead and we can talk, I don't know, in a couple of years and see how it goes. And I'm really glad that now we are being able to, to see the benefits of that model. And I think that the the trend will be to bring more of that model to to Live View itself. So, out of
2: curiosity, just so we can maybe dive a little bit more into the architecture of Surface, is it um, strictly a compile time tool? Like, do you have like a bunch of macros inside of Surface that that break down these uh, you know Surface components and then generate Live uh, components out of them? Is there a runtime component as well? How does it how does it actually do what it uh, you know what it does?
4: Uh, it's it's basically a layer on top of LiveView, right? I mean, the, the generated code it's just LiveView. It's Phoenix, right? It it has its own engine, so we can translate the the, the templates uh, into Phoenix code. Uh, so it's it's basically a compile time tool. But uh, since LiveView doesn't have all the features we want, we needed to add a couple of things that uh, at runtime too for uh, uh, contacts and slots for instance we don't have that in, in live view itself so we needed to add this layer on top of it so but it's still at the end after compilation it's just live view it's just phoenix
2: okay so there's no there's no overhead in let's say running a surface app, uh, uh, at
4: runtime basically you, you don't have any 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 overhead at compile time sure i mean you, you're parsing templates we are converting and all that stuff yeah sure
2: which is actually a really good thing because then i think i was looking through the uh the github organization for surface and there's a uh, there's a formatter for surface which i think that in and of itself is a huge huge win because there's nothing i hate more than uh uh making sure that my EEX templates actually look pretty.
4: <laughs> yeah, but this, this is actually the, the, the whole point, you know? I mean, the, the whole point is it's you have a, a, a model that uh, have structure, but then using templates that doesn't acknowledge that, that doesn't recognize that structure, so you lose a lot of stuff, you know? So the formatter was done. Uh, Paul contacted me. Hey, look, uh, do you think we should have a, a formatter for, for Surface? I think, oh, it should be great. It would be great to have a formatter. Uh, where should I try? I say, oh, look, uh, just take a look at the parser, get the, the information that is returned by the parser and do the parsing. And he was like, in, in a couple of days, he just, look, I have a, uh, already a format. And said, wow, great. And a bunch of stuff we can do with that model just because we know the structure, right? I mean, it's we, we can do static validation. A bunch of, there's some uh, really tricky uh, errors there are hard are hard to find in live view if you for some reason you forgot to close a, a tag for instance, and the browser won't complain, and you're just gonna try to debug. It's really hard, just because you don't have that static validation, right? So it's it's, it's just a better model for, if, especially if you're if you're designing a large system. It's a, it's much safer to have that more strict model. Not just templates all, all around. I, I had I had a a, a real uh, hard time working with templates because for me they are not they are not composable. I, I, I mean they are composable, but uh, it's not it's not clear enough how they can compose. You need to look at them. Okay, wh- what are the assigns they're using? Okay, it's using this assign, and wh- where does the sign come from? It's 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 uh, it's a mess for me. I mean it's it's hard for me. It's like you're creating building blocks and each building block has a specific shape, right? And the most important thing when you're composing those building blocks, it's to know the shape of them, right? So you can you know, okay, this this building block has this shape. Oh, he goes great with this other one, they match. With templates, it's, it's just like a black box. I need to open a template and look at it to see what are the assigns, what they should receive. And it's it's hard to comp- to compose using templates in this in this way.
0: That actually really relates to a, a specific question I had for you that I've come across while working with Surface. So something that you did with the surface API that I really like is you've got two different directives or macros or whatever you want to call them to designate the props that a component receives versus what I think you've called data, which is like the internal assigns that you might create on, let's say, like the update or the mount. Um I would love to hear like your reasoning for creating that distinct API because regular live components don't make any such distinction everything's in assigns
4: Yeah and this is also part of the problem I mean if you what's how, how can you if you took take a look at the template right and you just see the assigns what's the public API of this uh, what what's the interface I mean how can I reuse stuff that I don't know the interface it's terrible it's 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 not a good model the rationale about uh, behind uh, props and data—it's not actually new. It's uh, it's the same. Uh, it's actually the same. The same model of React. React calls props and state. Uh, Vue.js calls props and data. So it's like the same model. It's just a way so you can separate things that should be in a public uh, API. So it's like you look at it as a user of this uh, component. I can look at this API. I know what is public. I know how I can interact with this component. And data is just state. I'm not supposed to, to, to know the shape of the internal state of a component. It should be encapsulated, right? So that's data. So if I, it, it's, it's great to have them separated. It's really important. Uh, otherwise you just have everything as, as state and you don't know what should be passed right to initialize the component because you can actually initialize anything right because everything is assigned so i can just call i can initialize a component passing whatever i want even if that assign is was designed was intended to be a private internal state so this is uh, i think this is essential and i hope live view will also go in that direction in the future otherwise it's it's uh, there, there are many things you, you cannot do, or at least you cannot do safely, if you don't know the distinction about uh, the public API, which you can use to interact with the component, and the internal state. If you don't have the separation, it's going to be a mess.
0: Yeah, and I, I, really, I really enjoyed that API, and I was happy when I saw it, because this is one of the very first things that uh, kind of confused me when I was first building live views before there even were live components, just with plain old live view. I ended up with these live views that kind of reminded me of like a Rails fat controller, if that resonates with anybody here or any of our listeners, just like all of the logic, whether it's related to presentation or state management, is just kind of starting to junk up uh, this really long, verbose live view. And so I started to reach for ways to refactor out separating like internal state management from let's say data that was purely presentation. All that was kind of one way I started to think about it. And I started reaching for, I started to get inspired by um, Bruce's earlier book on, you know, designing, designing systems with Elixir and OTP. Okay, is there some stuff that like should live in the core? If not the core, like some sort of special way to encapsulate you know, data management and state management. And when I saw props versus data in um, Surface components, I, I really felt like that really hit the nail on the head. But I'm curious too, because you said that was something that you sort of drew from React. Um, what other principles did you kind of borrow from React or other front-end frameworks when you were building out of
4: uh, Surface? Uh, I think the, the model, it's the same, right? I mean, the model is the same. Uh, the only thing that I, I took into consideration was that I take into account was to, it's the, the server, server side, uh, nature of live view. So basically it's the same model, but then it's, it's running on a server. So it's, it's, uh, conceptually I have like the same, uh, features, like the way we, compo- the way we, we design the components, uh, the way we separate, uh, properties and internal state. They are basically the same. The the difference basically is that okay, but we need to respect the 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 live view model. So you have the same callbacks in that we need to 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 use uh in order to 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 make more stuff to to handle the, the state, the handle event, handle info, and it's a geo server, right? Live view is a gem server. So all that knowledge it's it's the same. I don't want to I don't want to 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 get rid get rid of it because that's actually what I love about Erlang. So that's what what uh, it's it's the main difference because it's it's not about the model itself. I mean the the, the at least the the way you look at the code is pretty much uh, like React, but it's Live View. So it's just a, it's just this thin layer, right? The the rest is all Live View. It's all Gen Servers. It's all Everything that that, that comes I, I don't want to to I don't want to hide all that stuff from users because that stuff it's great. The way you can handle state in in live view, it's great. So uh, aside from from the maybe visual aspect of the the, the the language, the syntax and it's it's live view all the way.
0: Yeah, and that syntax is really. That's not nothing. I mean, the syntactic sugar of rendering surface components, I think, just makes your life so much easier if you're building out a component tree with any degree of complexity. You know, the call to live Hmm. component three to render your live view components is, it's pretty heavy, right? You've got to specify the component, you've got to call the function, you're passing in your assigns and any other options, and it just, it's not eloquent, right? You don't look at that and sort of know exactly what it's doing, but I really feel like and you, I think you said this when we first talked about the the structure of rendering surface components, when you actually write out the call to render these components, it just seems like it speaks for itself and the way that you can kind of nest your surface components within one another, with this really lightweight syntax, uh, it's just really easy to look at and read, and kind of immediately grok what's being built out. It's like a visual representation of what is going to be rendered for you in the DOM, and that's, I think, a really powerful thing.
4: Yeah, and and I'm glad that uh, we are getting to the point where we can actually bring those features to Live View. Uh, I just uh, this week i I, I pushed um, a PR to Live View that introduced a new macro, which will enable us to create stateless components. Uh, because uh, right now, all the abstractions that we have in surface, uh, the stateless component and the, the live component, they are all using live component, right? Because of a limitation in live view that you cannot uh, inject live components in functions, right? It's uh, which is uh, Uh, the same problem that we we have when we try to use uh, content uh, tag-based functions. So this will solve this problem and we'll be able to introduce uh, a new template language for Live View, which is still based on EX, but that at least will have that kind of structure that it, it will recognize the structure of the HTML. So this is gonna be a second PR that I'm probably pushing this week. So we're gonna have uh, an extended version of EX that will understand uh, functional components at first, but it, it will recognize all the, the, the attributes of the component. We'll gather that information, pass as a signs. Uh, it also will be able to check uh, the structure if you're actually closing the tag, and this is uh, I think it was it was great that José and 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 Chris uh, wanted to have this in live view itself, because especially because it's much less code for me to maintain surface because all that stuff goes there. So I'm really glad that they they they, they want to go in that direction. And as I told you, a couple of years ago, I talked to Jose and Jose really really told me, Marlos, this is great stuff. But you need to do this outside Live View. There is no way you're going to bring that to Live View. And now you're bringing that stuff to Live View. So it's awesome. And it's it's going to be great for Surface as well. Because I mean, the more stuff I, I move to Live View, it's less stuff to maintain. It's, it's going to be much more easier to synchronize new features.
3: Just shoveling that code over there. <laughs> Put it in Live View. You can manage it. No, But this this sounds great. But on these new PRs, I have a very important question, and that's—you said it would still be EEX, so we won't be having the handlebar syntax, because I really don't like doing uh, less than percentage equals. I don't, I don't love that.
4: I'm on the same boat. All right, that's why I have surface, which doesn't use that syntax, and that will keep that way. And actually. Uh, the thing is uh, for live view, I mean, if if it wasn't for me I was just get surface and just move it to, to live view, right? <laughs> it's already there. But for Phoenix, uh, it, there is already a bunch of code written using EX. And as far as I can see, that's the the, the, the thing that makes uh, uh, Chris and Jose more uh, likely to accept an extended version of e x than replacing e x completely you know so the good news is that the, the important thing is not actually the template language because that you can even create your own like a, a great surface so the thing is the model right i mean we are bringing that stuff to 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 the model and that is that's that makes everything much simpler because if, if if I can bring all the features we have in Surface to LiveView, and I just have to care about the, the, the language, it would be great. I mean, Surface would be like this really minimal project, it just cares about parsing a template and converting to, to Phoenix code. Uh, but the the new template language that will be uh, the the standard for LiveView, it's an extension of ex that would make easier to migrate uh, existing templates it's not 100 percent because now we have structure so if you have a template and you're using ex in attributes it's not going to work right i mean if you're having if you're creating dynamic code in the attributes uh area of the the markup it's not going to be compatible but the all the other interpolation that you have right inside body of components they you can just reuse it but again it's uh, it's this is this is probably the 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 best thing that happened was like to when they told me look do it as a separate project because i don't i, I cannot imagine uh, if i could have done all the things i did on sur- in surface if i was doing in live view right if i'm doing in at, at the, the scope of the phoenix project because there are too many things in, in Phoenix that you need to care about. Okay, this doesn't exist in template language. If you're going to create a new one, it has to be, uh, it has to bring some minimal uh, compatibility. And as a separate project, I was completely free to do whatever I wanted uh, in Surface. So I was able to bring a lot of ideas. I was able to introduce slots, uh, context, many other stuff that probably. I, I would be able to do it in, in the scope of Phoenix itself. So I think it's nice that that we the, the decision was to have them separated, and now we are just starting to bring in the features, the most important aspects of it. And then if I don't know if in a year we have all the features we have in, in Surface in Live View, uh, Surface will be just about uh, the, the the template language, which by the way it's great for me because I. I <laughs> As I told you, I'm in the same boat. I hate those, those those ex, uh, interpolation uh, marks. <laughs>
2: yeah, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've forgotten an equals sign, and then my thing <laughs> didn't show up, and yeah. I was like, "What
4: the heck is going on?" Here? Exactly. Which
0: is, is one of I'm the expecting. awesome things about surfaces like HTML validation, because if you forget, you know, a closing tag, it's gonna yell at you, yeah. which I love.
4: And you're gonna have that in live view in the new template, right? So this is great news for 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 people that with existing uh, code base in, in, in Phoenix. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. So I mean this this I think those it's gonna be a, a set of PRs that's probably gonna be pushed in the next uh, couple of, of weeks. And they they're gonna change completely the way we 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 work with live view. I mean it's gonna be more like surface. Uh, not the template language. The template language is still going to be different. And about the the equal sign, uh, you said you always forget. This is one thing that I, I when I was introducing uh, Phoenix uh, to some to some friends. I mean, they all always got confused. They, okay, but now there's uh, equal sign, but now there's uh, there are parts of the code with equal signs, parts of the code without equal signs. Need to explain all those those differences. And I think it's confusing. And I think we don't need that complexity in the front end. I mean, we don't need to accept like partial uh, pieces of code, right? I mean, if you take the most, uh, uh, the most loved uh, template languages on the front end, I think it would be probably uh, Svelte uh, uh, view and maybe react. I don't know, none of them accept you to inject uh, invalid expressions right in the template, which is like what Ex uh, enables you to do right. I mean, you, you have pieces of code that is not a complete expression right. There's just parts of the expression, and then you inject some some template code, and then another part of the expression like if, and then you have the the, the condition, and then you have a block of code, and then you have else in another part in another in another uh, uh, using like the the other interpolation uh, mark. And this is all confusing. I think the model that have, I I don't need to allow the user to do any kind of crazy stuff in the front end, right? We don't need to do that. I mean, if if I just enable interpolation with complete expressions and set uh, default minimal uh, flow control uh, constructs, right? And conditionals, that's enough because people are doing this with Svelte, with Vue, and then the, it's enough. It's enough to have just, I don't know, if, else, and for, and count, and case, that's it. If you need more than that, right? If you need to write logic in the template with more than that, you're probably already doing something wrong. That's, that's the way I see. So I, I, I want to ditch that, that from, from, from EX, which is extremely powerful, you can actually inject any kind of code in your template, but uh, it's, it's hard to, to, to I think it's, it, it just get too much, uh, it's ugly. I, I, I don't know, I, I can't find a better word. It's kind of ugly. It's hard to keep track of, of, of things. I don't know, but it, as I told you, uh, people get used to it and people love it, right? So I, I, I'm glad that we will be able to keep EX in live view but it still present a different option when it comes to templating in surface.
3: Yeah, And I think uh, it's important to note that, so EX does a lot more stuff than HTML. So it's good that it's very general purpose. It's good that it's essentially infinitely powerful. It can do whatever you feel like, but that might not be the ideal for writing components. And... Uh, ju- just to put some love towards EX, you don't have to write the a tag, a question mark, and then the full name of the programming language. So it has that on PHP templates. <laughs> uh, no, but I generally like working with EX compared to a lot of other stuff I've worked with. It's just that those tags, they've really screwed me up a lot of times. And I already know that I've had, ai did a live stream recently. Uh, so this was a few weeks back where if LiveView was aware of uh, my templates and understood the tree, it would actually have complained and saved me a bunch of headache, just trying to figure out why my stuff wasn't <laughs> working while live uh, in front of viewers. So that would have been neat.
4: That's coming, that's coming, yeah, that's coming.
2: I mean, yeah. And the other the other bad part is the browsers will kind of uh, like they won't complain if it's bad HTML. Yeah. It'll be like, oh, yeah. I think this is what you meant. Let me fill in your missing closing tags. Yeah. They'll and improvise. then, yeah, yeah, improvise. And then Morph DOM freaks out. This is insane. Uh, right, this and is then, insane.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: I've hit the same the same thing as you, Lars. Where I was like, why why isn't this rendering properly? And then it turns out that you know Chrome whatever filled out the DOM the way it thought, and yeah. things were messed up. And
4: you no know, warning, right? No, war- yeah, no, yeah, warning. no warnings, no nothing. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, At least if it was a console <laughs> warning, it's like, hey, you know, your, your dom is messed up. I tried my best. That would have helped.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, Sophie is madly scribbling notes like, okay, we need to revise this part of the book, this part of the book, this part of the book.
0: This always happens. Like, I get so excited about a new technology and I actually will produce content with it. Not just like my own projects. Like, I'll write about it. I'll make a contract. I'll put it in a freaking book. And then, of course, you know, because it's brand new, it's it's constantly evolving. But it's so exciting to hear, you know, the the direction that service is going in. And I I love this conversation that you see with open source, right? Between maybe like a bigger, more established framework that's still new, like LiveView, and then Marlis, you going off and creating this totally separate library that can plug into it because it allowed you to to be flexible, to move quickly. And then lo and behold, that grows to a point where now LiveView is itself adopting some of the things that you were able to, uh, you know, build out and surface. So just seeing that dynamic and that relationship between those two is, is really cool to see. Um, I think a final question that I have for you, and you've definitely touched on this quite a bit, but you know what's next for Surface? What's on deck? I, I know you're excited about taking some of these responsibilities out of Surface and into Live View. Uh, what else has come down the pipeline for you?
4: Yeah, next couple of weeks we're probably doing these uh, PRs for Live View, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be that's going to be a lot of questions regarding the syntax and all that stuff. And um, but. Uh, for surface we are actually uh, releasing a new version this week and we are already preparing uh, uh i think we're going to release uh, 0. uh 0.4 which is like a uh, a version that we will prepare for 0. 0.5 will which will introduce some new concepts in on the, on the syntax you're gonna have a more <clears throat> uh gonna have a special syntax for slots and for the flow control constructs. So it's going to be, I think 0.5 is going to be like the 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 the, the version we are going to say, okay, this is surface, right? I mean, that's the template language. Uh, that's those are the features and let's see what we can bring to live view. And when we finish to bring everything to live view, I mean, surface has more people work on it, so they're still going to to add more features. But I mean, for for now, I want to, to, to have a pause on new features so we can actually think about the model we have, right? Especially when we release the, the new syntax, which is going to be a little bit different. But since we know the structure, we're going to be able to create a converter that would convert automatically the templates into the new version. So you don't have to do it manually. So um I'm really excited for this next uh, version of Surface, the, uh, that we actually I think it's going to be, okay, this is what we have. And yeah, and, and at the same time, we're going to try to evolve a Phoenix Live view into kind of the same model. We, we still have a lot uh, we still have a lot to be done on live view. For instance, we, we have no declarative way to define properties and data. so we need to come up with uh, maybe a similar <clears throat> abstraction right because otherwise we cannot do some of the stuff that you do in surface for instance you have the surface catalog which is uh, similar to storybook it's it's an, our attempt to have something similar but we it's it's impossible to have something like storybook if you don't have an api to define right the 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 public api because it requires to introspect the public the public api so you can actually Manipulate the so, so you can pass values to to the components and manipulate. And so these all have to go to to live view uh, at some point if you want to to have the same model. But uh, yeah, you can expect a lot of, of great stuff on surface in the next uh, couple of weeks too and in live view. So I'm really excited
0: <laughs> Great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. It's very interesting that you mentioned Storybook. Um, you know, which is like a, which is a component library that our, our listeners might be familiar with. And it, it really makes me feel like really encouraged to see the sorts of really robust platforms that the LiveView framework is giving birth to. You know, you I'm sure you guys have seen, Lars, I know you did a live stream uh, It's called Livebook, right? Sort of the Jupyter Notebooks inspired. uh, Yeah, just kind of seeing all of the tooling that's growing up around some of these exciting new technologies to just really, I think, grow adoption and make it something that it's going to be like a no-brainer for people to work with these technologies when you have this much of a robust ecosystem around it. Um, But anyway, on that note, Marlis, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so awesome to explore Surface with you. Before we let you go, do you uh, have any updates or news you want to share? Where can our listeners find you if they want to reach out? Uh, perhaps any events coming
4: up you might
0: want <laughs> to hint, drop a note about.
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, we're going to have a lot of, of talks about Surface. Uh, we're going to have uh, Alchemy, Alchemy Conf in We're going to also have uh, CodeBeam. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of stuff uh, related to Surface in the next couple of uh, weeks, uh, month. I'm also writing a, a blog post to kind of introduce the concepts. Uh behind surface and the new stuff that uh it's coming to live view. So much of we've been discussing today will be on that blog post so people can have a way to to keep up with all that information. It's probably going to be a series of, of blog posts, but the first one should be should be released maybe this week or, or next one. And then maybe you're gonna have a one post uh each week. I don't know, maybe three or four blog post. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure how much I can <laughs> I can condense in a single post, but I don't want to just like to to have a very small post that is going to generate a lot of questions. So I just I, I want to answer most of the questions in the first one all regarding surface and live view, what's coming next.
2: And where should people follow you so they can uh, keep track of when these blog posts come out.
4: You can follow me on Twitter, which is Marlos Saraiva. The blog post it's going to be a dash bit.
2: Cool. I'm definitely looking forward to it because, uh, yeah, it sounds like Surface will fix uh, a lot of my pain points and I'm, I'm looking to dive into it and then learn more.
4: I hope so. I mean, it has been fixing some of the, the main uh, pain points I have with EX. And as I told you, uh, uh, and we, we said before, EX is it's great. It's so powerful. It's so performatic. I mean, it's, it's really great, but it's, it's, it's actually a general purpose, right? Uh, uh, uh syntax for for any kind of templates so surface just trying to to be more specific to work with html and components
3: super excited to see that the learnings from surface being this lab for for building components on top of live view just is feeding back into live view but also that live view isn't necessarily breaking everything to make it happen it's it's yeah. a sweet balance to to maintain. It is. I think I think you've done good there.
4: Yeah, it's great. It's great to have this. Uh, so I think it's a perfect time to start to bring back those the, the valid ideas. I mean, the ideas that are actually bringing value back to LiveView.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, Marlos, thank you again so much for joining us. This was absolutely a ton of fun. Really looking forward to what is coming up next with Surface and LiveView. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to our sponsor, Graxio, Career Fuel for Programmers. Definitely uh, encourage our listeners to head over there and check it out. Learn about Flux, learn about Ecto, lots of cool stuff. And uh, Alex and Lars, thanks. This was a ton of fun. I'll catch you guys next time.